0: Hello and welcome to Colo. This is your host, Rabbi Hill Kappenstein, director of the Columbus Community Kollel, And it's a great honor and privilege to bring to you our next episode featuring Nissim Black. You've all seen him before. The music, uh the YouTube videos or whatever it is, he's been out there and it's really something fresh, a lot of his chaches, as we would say, a lot of new stuff. Um, and if you were in Columbus and met Nissim a couple years ago, this is a nice throwback. We had a great gig, um, and uh, was co sponsored by our friends at Chazak. And to have this, you know, follow up a couple years later is really exciting. Um, uh, we're going to talk about some things that you probably, Never thought that someone who's a Hasidic Jew uh, went through and the lessons they've learned and the people that they are inspiring because of. So this is going to be a fantastic episode. We'd like to thank our media sponsor, Columbus Jewish News, (CJN). I just had the great privilege of meeting the CEO, Kevin Adelson, last night at the Jewish Columbus celebration. So special thanks to Jewish Columbus uh, for that great program and Columbus Jewish News for being our media sponsor. Uh, Future episodes will be... Quite entertaining. Stay tuned. We're going to be doing a couple episodes on trauma. Uh, There's this incredible breakthrough therapy called SE, Somatic Experience. We're going to be having a follow-up to that on EMDR, like a sister therapy to that, dealing with trauma and how people really could turn their lives around. So that's going to be fascinating stuff. And then after that, we will have... Behind Our Bima with Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, which is going to be awesome. Rabbi Ephraim has a great podcast that I enjoy listening to called Behind The Bema. And we want to have a little bit of fun together discussing about some of our favorite episodes that we've done and maybe some of them that got us into a little bit of trouble. So stay tuned for that. But without any further ado, allow me to tell you about our guest. Yeah,
1: here we go, oh, she For the motherland, yeah, she babble, she We she babble, the babble,
0: Nissan Black has been a gangsta rapper, a gang member, and a faith seeker, but it is his current incarnation that is here to stay, an African-American Hasidic Jew who brings sharp beats and hooked-filled rhymes to the masses. The first single of 2020, Motherland Bounce, is a confluence of everything he's ever done and everywhere he's ever been. The vibe is old school, but the song is thoroughly fresh, pairing Big Beats, an African hook, and a catchy chorus with a video that has already garnered millions of views on YouTube. Nissim, thanks so much for joining Colot. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So you have an incredible story. I'm not sure if all of our listeners know. Uh, I'm sure some Mm -hmm. of them know. But if you could give us a little bit of a quick uh, rundown, what's your background? I know you grew up in Seattle. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yep. I grew up in uh, South Seattle. Um, and it was, uh, very quite interesting, uh, upbringing. I was, uh, born to hip hop parents. Both my mother and my father were both hip hop artists, were rappers. They actually pioneered rap in Seattle. Um, and my parents split maybe when I was around two, my mother started redating and then eventually, eventually, uh, married my stepfather who happened to have been in the same business as my father. They were both drug dealers. My Mm -hmm. mother was also a drug dealer. And I always say, like any good Jewish boy, I joined the family business very early. Um, At nine years old, I was already smoking pot, running with gangs at 12, you know, expelled from the school district by 13, Um, you know, just finding myself in a whole world of trouble. Um, Religion-wise, I was first introduced to Islam when I was a kid. My grandfather came to live with us, so that was the first introduction I had to religion. And already by the time I was 13, when I was like really rock bottom, like, you know, I would say this event probably saved my life. You know, Um, I started going to missionary camp, um, you know, after school camp with the Christian group, and they eventually invited me to camp, which I had a very, very powerful experience at. And then I ended up converted to Christianity. Uh, Thank God, my grandfather was in prison already by this time, else he probably wouldn't have went for that. But anyway, uh, I, you know, this held me really through my high school years, they allowed me to go back to regular school, to regular public school. And I did fairly decent. I played football very well um, and and did music on the side. And my music just sort of took over and became my passion and, uh, you know, ended up, you know, going through all those different motions of being a high schooler and, and, and trying to also maintain some type of faith. And, you know, maybe around my 10th and 11th grade year, I was very strong, like I became a junior missionary and got very, very involved. So I knew the Bible very well. So I was very involved in it. So I would have asked questions, but usually they would be kind of silenced, not in a not in a very like authoritative, authoritative type of way. In, in evangelicals it's not so much like it is in Orthodox Christianity, but <clears throat> nobody really had the answers. But I would brush it all under the rug. Later on, fast forwarding, I get, you know, a big offer from record label to uh, to, to make music, you know, with their company. And uh, it was very interesting because at that time in the music industry, you know, gangster rap wasn't so celebrated, uh, you know, just a few years prior. But by the time they were reaching out to me, you know, 50 Cent was the biggest thing in hip hop at that time. And they obviously wanted a lot of replicas of the very hard sound. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, you know, caving in made music that probably was against who I was as an individual at that time, um, which is the struggle of being an artist. And but I, and after, you know, everything fell, my mother died of an overdose, and it was almost like the whole world came crashing. That deal pulled out. I had other companies that were, that were interested in me. Everybody pulled out, and we decided to do it independent. And as I started to have success, you know, from a very small grassroots level, there was another artist who wanted to get himself out, and he – uh, made a song about me, and a very not nice song. There's a lot of lush and in the song. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up uh, getting into a fight, which led to a friend of mine trying to murder him. He ended up in prison, and they thought I sent somebody for them, and I was facing a life or, life or, life or death, or a kill or be killed situation that uh, caused me to start soul-searching for what I really wanted in life. So after I got off the phone, uh, we're talking with the other guys. They called me. Um, we squashed everything, and I, and I decided I wasn't going to go back. So I became even a stronger Christian. And, and the more and more I, you know, I guess I would say got deeper into Christianity and started to pick up my Bible and started reading more, then I started to notice a lot of different Jewish things that were going on inside of the Bible, which led me to go deeper and deeper, took all the religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, at least the three Abrahamic religions they call them, and I started going through the different texts, eight hours a day, and then eventually led me to Judaism,
0: where you know I found found my home. Wow, I mean, y- you covered a lot right there. Um, yeah,
1: I, sh- I tried to like cover ground, but it, right no, now there's it was, like so many Two thing- three hour story,
0: <laughs> right? That is a two three hour story um, <laughs> over two three decades. Um, so wow, okay, where do I start? Um, you're as we speak. You're wearing a nice uh, Hasidic garb. Um And I presume you take a lot of pride in this uh, Hasidic approach. But you mentioned before how, you know, you joined the family business, as they say. So did I, by the way, <laughs> working for not-for-profits, though. <laughs> um, so you hit rock bottom. You started to turn things around. What are the things that you learned then that are with you still today?
1: I think one of the biggest things I learned was just, you know, The power of influence, you know, the power of influence in your environment and the things that you are around can really lead you down a very dark path. I mean, I think I even learned them more retrospectively. Uh, You know, I do, you know, I'm I'm not just any Hasidic Jew, I'm a Breslaver. So I spent a lot of time uh, in his boat of this personal prayer, talking with God and self-introspection. That's one of the biggest things in Bresla, if not the cornerstone of of Bresla, Hasidus, And and. I noticed a lot and I knew this back then, I was conscious of it, but, you know, we, we all run from things sometimes that we're conscious of when they make us feel uncomfortable. So one of the biggest things was that I felt I felt very, um, very much so like I spent my whole life acting. I was always trying to, um, be what everybody else wanted me to be. And I think we all fall into this. But it was on a deeper level, like as long as I can, you know, I, I, you know, I have to do this because this is this is who this is who, you know, everybody expects for me to be. I have to be in the streets. I have to be the week. I have to be like, even though these things were like completely against my nature and I knew it even as a kid, you know. I knew these things growing up in my teenage years that I that I wanted something different. Or you know, I liked classical music. Or there were rock songs that I liked, but you know what I'm saying it wasn't hip hop. So I can't really you know. So it's very very, um, so it's very interesting that this this is the lesson that I've taken with me, and it sort of has helped me um, navigate. So that was one of the biggest things on the way to Judaism was to get away from everybody get away from everybody Mm -hmm. and go find who I am before I even knew I was heading, heading on a Jewish journey. The moment that I said that I make it up in my mind that I'm going to go find God and I'm going to go find myself. I knew already because how impressionable I was that I needed to get away from everybody else.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, One of the uh, very common uh, situations I find myself in is with conversion. People come to me. They say, "Yeah, we, can you help me? Can you sponsor me? Um, like, what? You're asking a rabbi to give you money? No, no, no. Sponsor me, <laughs> sponsor me, because I want you to rep, you know, represent me. And 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 really, uh, you know, full disclosure, we don't get involved with conversions. We we turn them to synagogue rabbis because it is so complicated.
1: Mm-hmm. It is
0: so sensitive the entire thing. And it's really just not our place. If someone's going through the process that they want to learn, then we help them. But to be that lead figure in the conversion process, you know, we, we stay far away from, can you talk to us a little bit about your conversion process, what that was like, maybe some of the struggles and what you're really proud about, maybe something that made you stronger through the journey.
1: Um, well, the biggest thing for me was the, um, that initial like fire, right? You <clears throat> you you come into this, you know, reading Tanakh, from my my standpoint. I'm, you know, and I would say most people did because I, I was I would I would I wouldn't argue, but I think it's pretty unanimous that everybody agrees that the bulk of people that convert to Judaism come from the evangelical world at some point. There's some type of Christian background. Mm-hmm. And through them, you know, searching and, and and digging up, like I did, and some each one in their own type of way, and for whatever reason, like Amari reason,
0: uh, Amari Stoudemire, Amari Stoudemire, we had know. him before, sure.
1: Right. So a lot of people start digging, they start looking, and it's almost like a treasure leading them somewhere. So they come in with a lot of fire because you're reading. The Tanakh and every Jew becomes so precious in your eyes because you realize that they're so precious to Hashem. You're just reading through the narration and you come in and you're super, super duper excited and everybody cools you off. <laughs> you know, uh they've been doing this. It's one of those things that's like, you know, sort of like, why are you hey, 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 relax, you know, why are you so overly excited? You know, and some things maybe, maybe so, but it was almost like your fire gets put out a little bit. And even more so when you go and talk to a rabbi and either they reject you or they push you away. My my particular uh situation went that uh I was trying to constantly have this conversation with the rabbi. He knew what I wanted to talk about, and he kept pushing me off, pushing me off, pushing me off. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I guess I was somewhat aware of what it was. And finally, when he told me, we can't have a discussion until you move into the community. So finally, afterwards, we all move into the community and, you know, still took a long time before we were able to meet with the rabbi, uh, you know, a relatively long time. And, and throughout the whole entire process, you know, you, you have to get through a lot of different things. A lot of people don't know how serious you are. Uh, you know, people have been in these communities for years and seen people come in and they, they're they excited or they get close to them. And then all of a sudden they fall off or they leave or they finish the whole entire process and then they leave. So it's almost sort of like, you know, um, there's a, not only from the rabbi but from the community to some degree there's a skepticism and there's a and there's a you know sort of a period of waiting to really find out if, if you're sincere and then I have to get past the sincerity like if you'll stick around you know don't want to build a relationship that's going to just go away so um, that was sort of my experience I was I would say our experience me and my wife and uh, my brother and sister-in-law who all went through it together but at the same time there was a there was a major um, overwhelming uh amount of love that it came from the community that we were very not not accustomed to, right? So one of the biggest things that have always, I mean, I think catches me off guard. It catches a lot of other people off guard that comes from the exact same uh community as me. We have like a WhatsApp group of like 72 guys. Uh, not everybody has a similar background, but the guys I know that come from, like you know, I guess the hood, from that type of thing, are not used to this type of chesed. So sort of like, what do you want from me? What do you like? You know, do you work for the for the FBI? You know, say that type of stuff because the because the love is so overwhelming, and we're not used to getting that from even within our own community. So um, we you know we have the that part of the challenge, and then you have the the next part of it where you are used to you know different type of love that you haven't experienced before also.
0: You just said something that I want to follow up on that you come in with this overwhelming amount of love and they're not necessarily used to that. Um mm-hmm. I think there is this Yitzhahara out there, this, you know, poll, this like, you know, let's see how we could, you know, yeah, we're Jews. Yeah, we have Shabbos and we have mitzvot and we have Torah learning, you know, and whatever. But like, you know, in certain ways, I want to be hip and I want to be like the Goyim and I want to whether it's dress or speech or music or. Um, whatever you know, however I could like you know incorporate and be in both worlds. But and you're coming in with this overwhelming love to try to get in. Now that you're in, looking back, do you miss anything? A and B. What's your message to people who are in the Jewish camp and they can't get out by choice? It doesn't work that way. And how should they relate and embrace their Yiddishkeit? So I would
1: say the first thing is: Is there anything I miss? Not so much. I. I it, it, and it's not like um
0: Burger King wasn't that good, you know.
1: Burger King was not that great. Okay. McDonald's, I mean again way better quality food over <laughs> here, you know what I'm saying? Uh but I, I think you know, the the like some things I miss. I, I would say probably in Sha, You know, okay. like some of my favorite records were by by female artists. Uh, you know, Ray Lauren Hill, just name a couple. You know
0: what I mean? Like okay,
1: I, But these are like things that I like I'm not stressing about. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, those are things that just like you know, if I am in a store, so I hear a song. You know, bring back a good memory of, of, of those records that were very classic for me. So those type of things, but uh, nothing big. You know, I, the 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 i feel so much like i'm a different person you know i said i was years ago maybe 7 years ago i seen a video of myself at that time the video was already i would say maybe 8 years prior to the time like watch it's all together 13 years ago now right uh-huh. or 15 years ago i'm a that great. <laughs> so anyway um I'm I'm watching this video of myself inside of the studio with a bunch of my friends, you know, I had a cut off shirt and my tattoos are showing I'm walking back and forth and we are just talking nonsense and I don't know if I said any word that's not a swear word right in this entire video and I'm looking at myself and I was so like, thrown off like I didn't recognize myself Like I don't you know I remember that that I remember that day but I don't remember me. I don't remember how I thought. I, I, I literally felt like I was looking at a different person. I haven't sworn I said a swear word and Shimshia helped me continue since 2008. I haven't uttered a single swear word. So I'm looking at myself and this thing going like, wow, this is like, who is this guy, right? So to be, it's, it's the weirdest thing in the world because it's almost like I felt like a completely different person. So, and I think that, you know me conveying that to you um gives you an idea of how much i feel like i'm so different my aspirations are different you know and 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 in, in that world i'm very uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable in 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 that type of environment it just has nothing to do with me today so i think that you know that's that and i would say to you know maybe a lot of people who, who want that world it's 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 very hard for me. You know, even my wife, I would say my wife, it's like for her, it's the biggest thing for her. She's like way more, um, I would say cut off a little bit more yeah. <laughs> from the, you know, from the last. And she was always sort of a yachir and stuff anyway all yeah. the time. So, but she, she says it to me often. She's like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, what are people like? What are they chasing over there? Like, what's what's mm-hmm. over there? And mm-hmm. and I understand what they're, what they're searching for, but it comes from a lot of self-introspection. And if people would just sit and then really uh, sit with themselves, you know, every time we get in the car, we do something, we've got to have music. I hear people always say, you know, and I'm, I'm a musician. This is probably not great PR, but like sometimes just cut off the music, like stop the music, <laughs> stop all the everything else and to listen to yourself, see who you are, know what your aspirations uh-huh. is because usually that trying to find and, and look for things in the outside world called the outside world, secular world, whatever, the racial world is a, is a, is a cry for something that's deep inside that you're craving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they, you know, they have these, uh, these conditions where people like start eating rocks and they're, they're searching for iron. They don't know the iron, but the body says that they need iron or they're deficient in a certain mineral. So they start doing or eating weird things but and they don't know that there's iron in it, but they just the body starts doing things. So these are sometimes symptoms of something that is much deeper of what's going on inside the individual. There's a chisaron, there's a lacking in, in something that they're trying to go find in the outside world that for sure won't fulfill it because Hashem gave everything by us, everything's by us already, so um I think that that's the biggest thing is that when you find it and you look and you and you dig on yourself and you see that that's the reason why you're searching for fulfillment and one of the things is like this i'll I'll give you an example everybody asks me all the time what's the what's the whole? I love Graatian music it's an MS. I'll be very very clear very honest i love i love um uh listening to Jewish music and I love really I like yiddish speaking music i i my Yiddish and I say great there's a certain cry by it but i I think that because the non-Jewish world offers a level of MS that we don't get inside of our own souls, that people are looking and they go searching for this MS, even if it's an MS that doesn't relate to me. I'm just looking to hear that truth. I want to hear, you know, NF rant about his, you know, his mental health disorder or, or, you know, whatever's going on in his mind or Eminem say that, you know, he wants to Harm his mother like okay i don't want to hurt my mother but hearing that truth come out of him instead of like pursuing him and pursuing, him so that i don't know if the person's really related that i want to hear uh-huh. what's going on because i got problems and i want to hear that other people also relating to me and going through the same exact struggles that i am and it's a craving for for endless that even though it may come from a different source that's not necessarily you know you know my team for the individual but it's like it's a craving so i think that mm-hmm. that's a symptom You know, for something that's deeper that could come from something kadosh, but it it finds itself in something mundane.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, there's a certain like authenticity being true to who they are, not trying to fake it. it in the context of their lyrics, what they do in their private life or other parts of the studio. That's not what we're discussing, and that's what might of be course the course <laughs> right. Right, that's that's the, dr- the drive. He's saying that they could talk about their real life and in Jewish music, where you know people want to find like you know the latest you know um, you know Tehillim that like makes sense for a song but hasn't been used yet. You know, they're, right, right. So, and, and do you even really know what the Pirushin, the commentaries are on that. So that's what you're saying. So what's the uh, what's the etza? What would you say the uh, what's your advice? Because that I could understand that struggle now that you tar- articulated it so well.
1: Right. I think the biggest thing is to I, I think the, the the solution is is trying to find. You know, I was just talking to Jacqueline about this about trying to find authenticity within 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 Yiddishkeit and and the things that we go through. And I, I think it's it's deeper than. Um, is deeper than you know probably beyond the scope of this conversation but I think more more of of the truth being paraded and, and coming out like everybody has problems like when people kids are are in a certain. I just spent this last Shabbos at Waterbury in Connecticut mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about I, I this Shabbos
0: was like wow I'm talking about like crazy, by the yeshiva, Shabbos. By the yeshiva there? By the yeshiva water bay, yeah. Wow, my, my cousin yeah. just went there. Nice. Really? I'm talking about
1: uh, the most uh, amazing Shabbos. These boys have been the unimpressive. The Medos, Rabbi Kalish. Like yeah. the, it's an environment, you know, and, and you know, there, there are those who, you know, have kids that are, are you know, struggling, and, and they want to hide the fact that they, that they may need it. Or they want to pretend that things are going on, and where, you know, they can't end up in a place like that. Where I'm talking about, like, I'm beyond impressed. There's no words to, to, to say what I experienced this past Shabbos over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, we, we hide a lot. And I feel like it it comes from the leadership down that the rabbis, Mm -hmm. they have to just start being real. Let's start talking Mm -hmm. about things from from real. You know, we don't have to get crazy, but it starts from the top where people could start, you know, because one of the biggest things is when you're going through things and you have and you have a tough time and you feel isolated like nobody else is going through it. Right. And I feel like a lot of those deep struggles that people are going through, they start looking for a different outlet because it's got to come out. I need somebody that's going to that's going to describe and help me. Work through what I'm feeling, you know? And so I think that it starts with that type of authenticity. And this is from, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> let's just be real. Just like everybody fake it till you make it, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> you know, like I, I've seen it so much. The school system, look at how many people are, are you know, lying on the applications to get into inside of, uh, that particular school. And, right. and then by the time you get there, everybody, nobody's my team for what's on the actual mm-hmm. paper that you signed to get in. Mm-hmm. And then so it's like, oh, then, oh, wow, you know? So, I think that it's a lot of these type of things where I'm not particularly taking jabs, chas Shalom, in any particular individual, but I'm just saying that sometimes we got to do, we got to do a shift and, and get ourselves back on track to this Emes because the of Hashem, the, 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 the seal of Hashem is Emes, and, and we're the people of Hashem. So we we for sure can find any shekel within ourselves. In, in order, we have to be all going We have to bring a light into the world. We should be in my spirit to the world. They should be being my spirit to us and we have to go find their books and their music and their this and their that we have everything by us so i think that that's the it starts with the leadership down rabbis being real rabbis being mm-hmm. real and and that right now the whole world's chasing after this right now right. everybody wants somebody to just speak the truth to be honest, like you know what i mean and when you see things that was a my love rob cook that he would see things in the world and say like that wherever you see smoke there's a fire over there somewhere understand what i'm saying like if you see that something's going on in this world then that means that the shim is illuminating something like that uh-huh. you know what i mean uh-huh. so i and 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 if we see it out there then we it, it, it's very much so that the shim is trying to get us to awaken to something that's going
0: on okay so you you talk about the uh, the rabbis need to be real so okay thank you for the muster. appreciate that but, <laughs> <laughs> um but you also mentioned something about um People trying to fake it till they make it, get into school. Um, whether you know it's a, it's my tim for them or not. So that's actually a great segue to my next topic because you made some headlines. Um, probably you weren't so happy about, but uh, about you know getting into school, and that really brings us to the next topic of racism and Judaism. Um, a couple months ago, we had on our Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. She chairs the Congressional Black Caucus, and she talked about some of her childhood um, struggles with. Uh, as it pertains to race, um, are you comfortable sharing a little bit about some, you know, your challenges? Um, is it blown out of proportion this whole thing, racism, systemic racism? Is it blown out of proportion? Is it real? Is it somewhere in between? Um, and how was your journey in that world? Um, you know, what was it like? Because. Really, in, in all, in all honesty, because until now we haven't been being honest, no. But, uh, what I mean yeah. by in all honesty, if we were to be real, as we were talking about before, um, Judaism, Yiddishkeit's about Bechira Hafshis, that our free will, and that really determines, um, our status, really. Right. Um, doesn't always come out in the, uh, you know, in this world, and the next world we will definitely get what we deserve, but in this world is, you know, sometimes is a little shaker. What was your, what, what is your take on this relationship of racism, um, as a Jew in society, uh, pre, you know, prior to your conversion. Now that you are, where are you living again in, in Eretz Yisrael, right?
1: Living in Eretz Yisrael.
0: Right. So talk to us a little bit about your relationship as it pertains to race.
1: Um, so I, you know, for me, these are two different categories, like the, the racism and different things like that, that I may have experienced inside the Jewish inside the community and outside of two different things. That was an uncomfortable article for me for for many different reasons. Um, And and this probably what would help put into perspective what I was talking about, you know, about the authenticity, about being real and knowing where to uh, align the red tape, sort of. Um, And then there's always, okay, that's what I should want. So in that particular situation that I was going through trying to get my kids to the school and facing the racism and different things that we were facing... um, was never for me a public story that I wanted to get out, you know. The few mm-hmm. people that were helping us out with things, that, and it was real. If anybody talked to me, I will. But I would have never, like, went to the media and wanted this in the public because mm-hmm. the last thing that we need is for people right. to be like, oh, wow, Jews are racist. You know, I, that was, like, one of the biggest things. So that's why it, it, it hurt me even more. And I remember calling, you know, really, uh, Rabbi Weinberger in uh Kodesh.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: and, and really, like, seeking out... A- <laughs> seeking out some uh, some advice, some ATSA on how to, you know, how to deal with the situation, which I felt like I had really good advice. But so it was very tough for me. It was tough for my wife during that time. Uh, not only what we were actually going through, but it was even furthermore that the story had went out it was, uh-huh. it was a big problem uh-huh. for us. Uh-huh. Uh, but I remember going to, you know, a very, very big Rob <laughs> and he was like, Hashem did this. You didn't do this, Hashem, uh-huh. even if you didn't, Hashem made sure that people, and, and it's the Musa for, for people, and, and more people reached out to me, and, and I ended up hearing other horror stories, and I ended up seeing a lot more people that wanted to get involved and wanted to help, so it was it, was, it, it turned out to be a beautiful situation. Now, I do believe that there is a such thing as racism, systemic racism. And all these different things going on, I would say in the world, but specifically in, in, in America, and I could deal some a little bit with Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is that I don't believe that it's the main problem. I don't. I believe it's been completely blown out of proportion.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and I believe that there is a, there is a, a degree. that's my personal belief. I have to say this and, and quote this with growing up in school. Seattle, uh, which is a very, very, uh, you know, flowery, very politically correct, uh, you know, place to grow up in. Um, To a certain degree, it's like, you you know, you you be politically correct, because if you're not politically correct, then we stone you. So I don't know how that really works. So very (laughs) passive aggressive. Um, But But that is that that I grew up in Seattle. So I, I don't really feel like I experienced that systemically. Absolutely. There was, you know, I've talked about this before. We didn't have textbooks at my school. Um, but we have brand new uniforms and brand new uh-huh. basketball uniforms, football, you know, brand new stadium, state of art. Like, how do you have all that and not have books? Like, who's allocating the budget over here, right? right. Um, where, where, you know, you go to other schools and, you know, Bellevue and Issaquah, where predominantly white schools and they had everything, you know. And so I don't, there, there's definitely a, a systemic issue. I was I was here the other day. I'm in New York now. And I was on my way. I went through Jersey to go drop off my. I think I was dropping off my family. They were here with me for a few weeks um, while I was here on tour. And I went to go drop off my family, and I, I was rerouted off of the 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 freeway for whatever. Maybe it was a crazy amount of traffic, but it worked out because I need to get gas. I was trying to get my rental car, so I go into the gas station, and I'm like in a in a in a black neighborhood, and I walk in there. You know, I'm thinking maybe I will go get some some sunflower seeds to help me stay up on the on the road. So. And so I'm looking. I can't find like sunflower seeds. I can't find anything like everything that was name brand, Lay's, David's sunflower seeds, Good Note, like in Nature about Anything like that was behind bulletproof glass. Everything that was on the shelves were like some crazy non-brand something that they probably picked up. Off Chinatown or something like I don't know. It was just like some crazy, and I was just looking like and the place was like, okay, it's not so clean, whatever, there's some gas is not clean. But it was just like so ran down, nothing there, and like all the 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 like normal things you would expect to go in to get in a gas station. Not only are they like in a bite size, but they're all behind glass And I was just like, Man, this is like messed up because I just got off the you know, when I was by the Palisades, I'm over here. You know, I could go off and get. You know, coffee and, right. uh, you know, cappuccino, Americano, whatever. Like, I got everything. I get my 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 uh pedicure, or whatever. So I'm, like, looking at the contrast of these different things, and I'm just, like, who's responsible for this? Like, how does, how does this happen? Like, why are there not the, the, this, these type of resources? I've seen this over and over again. So I, being that said, a person coming from, you know, who grew up, in New York, Brooklyn, Jersey, whatever they're gonna have a different perspective than me because I came from Seattle. So that's another thing. Like not only is it blown out of proportion, by this like it's this blanket thing. Not every black girl wants to tell their story. Not every black girl comes from it has a crazy story, like me seem Black, right? So yeah. my story shouldn't blanket all of their story, right? right. Uh, in the same way as that, like I don't want to be told that, oh, you know, you've been facing racism all this your whole entire life. if I don't feel like it, so why, why should I? Should I say that? Which I don't think a predominantly, you know, all African Americans do. But I think if you go to some pockets in in the United States that people very much so feel discriminated against, so I don't think this so overwhelmed. And then from that, there's been a push to like to make you in your mind think this you know and i and i grew up thinking like you know yeah people racist on this stuff and when i started thinking i was like hold on i can't really hold on, i don't know i really don't know <laughs> when people yeah. were being racist like you know what i'm saying i would have to like really try to dig and try to find something and I, and, and and it wasn't major part of my life
0: so you said that there is some so systemic- i you said there's there's some systemic racisms, and I want to zero in on that because that could mean different things to different people in my opinion. And I'll tell you, this past Sunday, I was at a wedding in New York City. Uh, the Schottensteins' um, youngest son, Jeffrey, got married, and LeBron James was in attendance. And somehow in the middle of the wedding, he became like the life of the party. I mean he got in the circle. I mean I left by them, but I got videos that were sent to me. Um And he became like the, the, you know, literally the spotlight. I mean, obviously with the, uh, with the family that was making the simcha. Um, Mm -hmm. and he's a, he's an African American basketball player making 40 million a year or whatever it is. Absolutely. So people, some people have the pushback, like, what do you mean systemic racism? Look, look at, look at, look how successful people like LeBron could be. Um, we have an African American vice president and we also have an African American past president to the United States. Um, I mean there could be racism, but how is it systemic if they could be the top of society here in America?
1: So that's what I mean by it's not a blanket statement. You can't say that system, systemic racism or racism itself is is a is is for everybody, right? Because there are certain neighborhoods and certain places where people feel that they're much you drive through Brooklyn and you see the poverty and how um, impoverished people are and different things like that. And the things that are mostly systemic are not the things that people think. For instance, welfare, that's systemic racism. Ra- that, that was instituted at the time. You're looking at the, the poverty level in New York for African-Americans was less than 4%. What a reason why we need government handouts. And it's made uh-huh. in a way that, that it's, it's put there in a way where if a woman has no father in the house, she gets more resources and more funding. If the father is not in the house... If the father's in the house, then she barely gets anything. I've seen it. I've been on the welfare and the welfare system and I, and I with my with my wife, and we were very young. We got nothing together. Her sisters had more money because for every single father and everything else or whatever, uh-huh. more food stamps, more money from the government, Section 8, everything else like that. Uh-huh. We were really struggling and trying to make it, and we could get nothing, right? So the government, in a way, has set itself up that way. Planned uh-huh. Parenthood, where's that at? Predominantly in African american See, this is the different systemic racism that people will never talk about. But Planned Parenthood, predominantly in African American and minority neighborhoods. Right. Same things with the gun, with the with 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 gun shops and and and, and liquor stores and different things like that. These are the things that cause people not to, and these would be the things that people would not even think about. With, this is systemic. So a lot of the problems, the people who are screaming racism the most right now in our, our, our society, is saying everything is racist. Are the racists? Ones. Right. You Understand what I'm saying. That's yeah. my that's my personal opinion. And all the systems have been in place. Look like at the criminal justice system; that obviously needed some type of reform to it. I, I you know I, I believe the previous uh, uh, person in office, whatever he did by by releasing a lot of these nonviolent, you know, uh, criminals. Like, you know, like, come on, dude. Like, for for long people been sitting in there for years for marijuana misdemeanors, and now all of a sudden it's legal. So these type of things are systemic. The I mean, criminal justice system, like I've said, this school, the school system, all these different things like that. Like, you are in a Black school, you have less resources. And this is what it is. You have less resources. I mean, what are you going to blame on the community? community has, you know, what? and you mentioned Kamala Harris. I think she's, like, half, like, Indian or whatever, but like even her, she, she's known, she was a very tough prosecutor and she put a lot of black men in prison. Like that was her thing. She was all for that. Uh, You look at, you know, president Obama, I don't necessarily consider him a a person that was black. I've never taken anything away from his presidency. I mean, he's black. What is black at this point? His father was African from Kenya. His mother was white Caucasian. He's not a descendant of slaves in America that we right. would consider black or African. So, like, the, the, he went to Harvard, and and you know because and all the way he hung on on his on his white mother. All of a sudden, she became ir- ir- irrelevant afterwards because it wasn't politically correct to say you know that anything about his white mother. It's always yeah. about his black side. So <laughs> you seeing um, the the same exact thing. It's almost like you know uh, the, the from the Jim Crow era of you know when racism was like you know right there in front of your face the laws everything that instituted that's not around but they just sort of switch the way and the way that they that they're doing the racism and somehow black black people as a whole are still not allowed to uh to to climb out of this these crabs in the pot and that conditions you so you'll have a Oprah you'll have a Jay-Z you'll have a Kanye West and different things like that and, and people would give back what they can but it's not a mentality. I just mentioned to you the amount of chesed that I received right. from people that didn't right. even know anything about me. It's not the most of our communities and where we come from. So in order to like really make a difference, it, they don't have yeshivas and all that to sponsor. Right. So they'll give here to this school, really like, but where it really matters, nobody's dollars, which is like keeping black fathers in the house, combating you know these, these, these laws and different things that are these, um, you know, welfare programs, activities like that, that have made it uncool to be a father or gives you less, less, you know, I, I think people are just fighting the wrong things. So, um, you know, if if black lives actually matter, then what's really damaging black lives There's a whole lot of different things. We should have fought poverty, should have fought, you know, that there was no, no fathers in the home. There's a whole lot of other things. So it's not like these things don't exist. But I think that they're flipped around in our head that we think like police brutality is the main issue. We believe like, you know. Uh, that there's not enough black students in Harvard or Princeton or like all these different things like It's like I, I, it doesn't matter to me that these things it, 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 like let's deal with the nitty and the gritty you know if right. I don't have an IQ where I can where I can you know excel well in, in in a prestigious school, then why don't I just go do my thing? It's not like these guys in the end end up being
0: the most successful people anyway. so like you know right. what I'm saying? Like, gotcha. I it's, gotcha. uh,
1: it's just it's just you know so those are my those are my opinions about it.
0: Yeah, and I I think there's two conversations. There's the individual conversation that in this country, yes, you might have challenges and it's not a perfect system, but there's still a road to success with hard work perseverance Mm -hmm. and help from above and you've done it and many others like you have done it and then there's another conversation about how we structure the system whether that's you know legislation or the system or things like that how can we set more people up for more success and I, I think we can't combine those conversations and like you said, really make it a blanket issue. I think it's right. more nuanced and, and we don't do ourselves or or your communities, uh, the African American communities a favor when we, you know, w- when we just use one size fits all approach. Um in our remaining uh, 10 minutes or so I want to ask you about your style of music. And I know you've talked about this a lot before that you know rap might not be um out there as a you know uh, a, such a Yiddisha brand uh but it's it's in the heart. You know what the, and you've talked about your that have said that it's um you know what's your kavana? What's your intent? Where is it stemming from? The ge- it's not so much about the genre; it's more about you know your lyrics and your message. And and then that's a that's a beautiful thought. It's about the panemius, not the chitzaynias. You know, the the inner self, not the outer self. I totally get that. Here's where I think some people might, um, you know, I don't want to say push back, but like you know, so how do you deal with the following? Because you know, growing up as a kid, there was you know someone different than you but has some similarities i don't want to make it that they were exactly the same but some similarities and they went through a similar journey you might know who i'm referring to i don't know if you Mm -hmm. like the song chop them down chop them down right (laughs) so Mm -hmm. what how do you differentiate yourself from that because you know i don't know how well things turned out over there and and that's where people could say it's not just about the lyrics it's about the association it's about the genre where 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 does it all stem from it's not you can't just zero in on one you know one part about what the words are but the whole flavor and branding of it might also make a difference what's your response to that point
1: so my response is that you know there's a, there's a few different responses but i think the first thing is is that first off when we look at negina in itself music i think it's first in Mauritius that you know um Yuval and tubokane tubokane i think did the first weapon of war but you've all made the first, you know, Kaylin Naginis, the the, the, the the musical instruments came from him. He was a Rasha. He was a Mamash Rasha. Music in itself and instruments were invented for Avodazara. Um, same thing by, like, we're talking about literally, he created, I think, the lyre, the harp, and I can't remember, whatever else, exact instrument that David Amelich is known for. This is what he what he created instituted for for the whole entire of old, you know the whole Indians of vodas Um so I think that when we look at music from its inception already and, and where it came from this is one of the reasons I, I can't remember the exact reason I, the brushing up on my uh, on my sures and in the hadiths yeah. I don't remember so much from from Islam and Islam music is haram they say it's haram. They don't they, they they think music in itself is already t- altogether evil, comes from it, and they have an understanding comes from an evil source. But for for us, for, for for us really, our whole thing is to be, you can't, you know, many of our our our, our songs come from comes from come from our enemies themselves, Russian. Russian uh, groups and, and, and um, soldiers and, and Polish soldiers. A lot of the liturgy that we're singing on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. A lot of these things come from uh, uh, Mamish in- enemies and people who consider Amalek Mamish. So mm-hmm. we 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 already have this. So it's like almost almost when you get to today, which a lot of people don't even know the origins of hip hop, and I talked about this. Regardless if it was something that was close or non cultural, different things like that. It's like. Hip-hop didn't start out as gangster and disrespecting women and everything. That's not how it started. It's talked about people going through their own struggles and, and speaking about their own reality. Uh-huh. You know, Rapper's uh-huh. Delight was the first song, you know, was uh, right. about just fun and hanging out. Yeah, you know, uh, Grandmaster Flash and uh, Fierce Five, And, like, you had, like, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I think from going, how I keep them going. Like, this is what people were talking about, you know. Later on, it turned into this gangster stuff and all this other stuff, which has dominated the culture of hip-hop, right? But I look at it like this. First off, when it comes to the comparison, me and that other individual are at different stages in our life. And I think that one of the tough parts about it, and I will say something, you know, to, to defend my stance. But I will also say something in his his defense. The so first thing I'm going to say, at least about myself, is that, you know, I come into this, you know, I, I, I never picked this up at some point. This is a part of my youth, right? Sure. My mother was a rapper. Why? My father was a rapper. This is, like, who I've been, you know, yeah. my whole entire mm-hmm. life. You know, as long as I could go back, have, you know, they used to have videos of this, you know, me doing you know, Michael Jackson would poop in my diaper, you know what I'm saying? And I used to sleep with a dirty... Glass. Like, I was a music guy, rapping, dancing since I was a kid. So this is a part of my essence of who I am as an individual, uh, no matter what stage I've been in in my life. So to say that that's going to be the downfall, I, I think that that'd be, you know, and to say I feared it also myself because I understood the power of environment. Um, but the the even bigger than that, I would say is that I came a little bit more Um, established. I was married already, a wife already, for I don't know how long. I have, you know, Rebaim and Sadiq, I was close to long before I even picked up rap. I stopped rap for a period of time and got away from it just to ground myself, which I thought I was done altogether, and eventually I came back. It's a different story. But, um, so I'm much more mission-driven and understanding that this was my you know what I'm saying, from the moment that that Hashem brought me into the world. I I know this for many different reasons. Um, The other thing, as I would say, is that what makes it Makes it tough and being in the position that I am now is with the constant. Uh, in general, people are, cri- are critical, right? right? It's just the right. way that the world is a different it is like that. And I think like once it comes to us as Yidden, is like multiplies by type by <laughs> 10. Right. So a guy like that, you know, the individual was disgusting. And I think everybody knows, I don't think it's like so much of a story or a matter of lush and horror because the person's been very open about it themselves. But I think that you know, the constant criticism from people telling you you're not Jewish enough, you're doing this or you're that, you're that, is a wear and tear on the person of the constant being beat up and being criticized and being, you know, um, you know, that for me was probably the thing that, in my opinion, I I didn't talk to him about it since, you know, since he's had a change of heart on things, but I, um, I I think that that people don't realize how much that that is the thing that can really break a person down, sure. and like, we're seeing a lot in our own communities of kids feeling like they're not enough and different things like that. So I think that that's one of the biggest that, that individual has to go through. The other thing is is that you know there's a bit or which is like one of those perform that is so breathless that it's like it never be translated into English. So. Um, where Abraham ben Aronaf, Abraham Chazin says over there, he was talking about the air balloon, and this is over 100 years ago, before there was planes. And he said that he was saying that in the future you'll see that every person will be able to travel to his or her destination by the air. And he says, and just like with this, every new invention that will be created, says the whole purpose why Hashem allowed for it to come into being was for the sake of in order to glorify Hashem's name, he mm-hmm. says. But the cloud is that the klepa gets it first. The klepa gets it first. So just because we see something, we have Hanukkah. Why do Jews have a a, a holiday on the twenty fifth day of the winter solstice, like all all, all every other other are? All mm-hmm. right. So I mean, there's obviously I think there's Gamar and Rosh Hashanah. This is the, originally it was Jewish and whatever we have our orders. But I'm saying, but we're looking at something that you know, Mamish that the Goyim have. And, and we have the same thing are by us we have the same thing? are we ele- we take elements of this world and we elevate it to to Kedusha. and and I think that that's like that's that's really that's really like my purpose That's what I'm doing. and I don't think that there's anything even remotely wrong you talk about Jewish music. And like I said, I think it's always on the sincerity. not just the sincerity. I think it's the individual if you know like Rembrandt says, self that if the person is not clean the music is not going to be clean. Uh-huh. so no matter what the person is talking about and and it's 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 you know it may be hard for some people but that's the way that i feel about it and i think that we get mixed up sometimes with genre or our preference and then like if we don't if we don't have a preference with something like then we like, you know, we automatically us it, like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and some people can't make that distinction right. within themselves.
0: Right. And right. it's very, very difficult. Yeah, and, and there is like the old, you know, Khadash Asamanatara slogan and you know, I could understand the hesitancy, but you're trying to be a little more nuanced. And I like your differentiation. I like the point that you make that if you tell someone that they're guyish enough times, they could really wear them out. Um and 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 you know, I think two things could be true at once. I could really understand where a lot of that criticism came from because uh, you know, that's not necessarily our Derek, That's not necessarily our Misora. So I, I could hear that very, very loud and clear. I think my takeaway is, and, and I'm going to kind of make it – put a, uh, a spin on this. If that's true, that, you know, it could really wear someone out, the flip side is if we tell our fellow students, Talmidim, children, community members, how great they could be, how, how much of an amazing Yid they could become, Um and what exotic they could be and how much tower they could learn, um, not that it has to be done all now, you keep pounding that in, it's going to be the exact opposite of wearing them out. You know, you keep telling and, them. And, we, go ahead. I yeah. will go
1: even further. I was I was going to go further on that point also and say, like, that, it's very, very true that, that you know, some things seem and feel very foreign, but, like, you know, I, obviously doing this, it was a time where, you know, the, the previous generation had a big problem with M, what MBD was doing. Mm-hmm. um you know I've mm-hmm. talked to mm-hmm. labavitchers who who grew up in, in Chabad Hasidus their whole entire life and he said when we were kids Avon Free was us for us <laughs> mama's us <usur. laughs> today- I was gonna say the goish and now like this is the epitome of what Jewish music is you know right, what I'm saying right, I, right. people have problems with Karl Bach. I mean like so this is not really and I know that this seems very very far out but like you know, things change. People had a problem with, you know, the Baal Shem Tov. Like that was a whole different Derek, and like this isn't the Masora. You know what I'm saying? So right. Hashem does these things where I think He constantly challenges us, and 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 He He brings Chedushin sort of to keep us on our toes and keep us on our feet. Might say like raps like the new Jewish genre. I don't know. I, I I met a lot of these kids over there, but I'm not thinking about that. Shim gave me a gift, and I'm going to bring people, and I'm like I'm so like a thousand percent positive on what I'm doing is what is, is, is everything I believe that Hashem wants me to do. These things don't shake me, but they, they, they as, as people going on, you know how many people I've met that they've touched me because of, of, of the music, and then they met me and said, wow, you know what I mean? Like, because at the end of the day, I'm a person who wants to serve a shim and that's going to come out. Whether you were listening for that or not, that's on you, but whether or not uh-huh. you, you experience that, that's, that's on the, that's on the individual. Right, but, right. but I think that a lot of times it's like we, we're so quick to touch things up that we don't even give it a chance to, to, mm-hmm. to really have itself to grow and then, Eventually, then we, we, you know, we get pulled in a in a, in a, in a harder way.
0: <laughs> right, right, now for sure. And and would you say that your rebellion, your your mentors, spiritual, um, you know, people that you, that you talk to have helped you have a perspective on that and keep keep things in check? Because really, we're sometimes so like a piece of our own puzzle. We don't have a lot of clarity. Have they played a big role in your life?
1: Absolutely, my rabbi Brody Shmuel Brody. Um, it was really Seattle. It was in Baltimore now. But he was like the biggest thing for me. Um, just because he was just ever the shim, like watching a person like that. I just something not like, yeah, so and so's uh, you know, he's a rob, he's gone or whatever. Like those words I wouldn't use to describe him because his love for shim and his it just was momish, uh something that was so impactful for me. So being able to talk to him about these issues early on. Um, when I was deciding to come back to music it was very very influential and I remember at one point I was not gonna do rap I was like working on like doing some nigga I have a nice voice and my brother-in-law and and, and he was straight with me It's like hey, I'm sure he would prefer that in terms of his own musical uh, preference but he was like I'm just not sure that's what Hashem put you in the world to do mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. not sure if that's the authentic you you know what I'm saying I don't know if All we right. need like a black carbach He didn't really say it like that but um, <laughs> but that was something that was influential <laughs> to me you know. You know, Rav, Rav Arush was, like, so huge on I me, mean, going out and, and 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 spreading light to the world, you know what I mean? And that's the, his biggest thing, you know? Um Chimayu, who I've become close to, really has been very, like, uh, uh, very, very, he wants it for... <laughs> to to to, to makar of the other people he's he's not so for being inside of by by the bar from the whatever but i don't know they keep taking they keep taking to it I, <laughs> I, I definitely not going into she was like hey guys just check this out but people are taking right, this what can right. you say people are not in places that we think that they're in you know sure. um Rabuso, right. I happen to be very close to his oh, uh, grandson really of Baba cool. Sali. Like, yeah, right. talk to him. Rabnasan Maiman. Like, I talked to a lot of different Sadiq, and I think the biggest thing is like, you know, these things they come out, and 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 I was very confident and very sure that this is what Hashem has given, given me to do. Uh, it's, it's 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 come out. If I could come to the amount of letters and 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 mail from people that have come, but I was just saying the amount of people that you know I know for sure I've been able to help. Through through my music and through my story and just you know m- my existing as an individual.
0: Wow! So, Urbane definitely uh, had a big role uh, in your, you know, in your uh, in your journey. Um, Nisim, this was awesome. I mean, we covered a lot. Um, your lessons from when you were a young boy, the 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 perseverance uh, through your garris process, your take on racism not being blanket systemic or not systemic it's a little more nuanced um your style of music what differentiates you from the past um and and your rebellion uh we didn't get into some of the singles and the music videos the specifics that that you've done but we're out of time um, i got okay okay
1: you got one all right <laughs> so i'll
0: tell you one that really that that really got me going um mm-hmm. and that was the hold on video you did and, and it was dedicated memory of um of uh, Mendy Klein, just a little north of Columbus from Cleveland, uh, Zacharina Levracha. And, Whew, wow, that's a hard video to watch. I gotta be honest with you. It's, yeah. it's a hard video to watch, but I think it's because it's such a hard topic. It's not because of the video. It's, the video is just reflecting the, the Sugya, as we would say. Right. Um, right. How, how did, and, and, and you have, I'm not trying to pick that one because it's like your number one. There's a lot, you have a lot of great video. You know, I know the one with God Elbaz is really what mm-hmm. took things to the next level, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm picking this one because we've done a few episodes. On mental health, we've done a few episodes uh, with Svi Gluck. We did an episode with Svi Gluck from Amudim, and we've talked a lot, a lot with uh, Dr. David Lieberman, with Aron Lapiansky, specifically after the whole you know tragedy with a uh, you know Israeli author. Um, yeah. And it, it's an important topic that has to be obviously discussed and age appropriate and everything like that. But it can't be thrown under the bus. Talk to us a little bit about how that video came about. Um, was it hard for you? I mean, it's pretty graphic in a sense of like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's real. Like you feel the pain almost. It's like it's like boom, boom, boom every single time, every second, every passing moment, every new um, footage. And then you you know you have I think it was Avi uh, Kraus, Kraus, yeah, yeah, Avi Krauss. Krauss. you just see him going, hold on, and like, whoo it's hard. Talk to us about right. from your side of the aisle. Um, thank you. That that video was very
1: hard for me afterwards and i like while you're shooting it all the pieces are happening at different times and whatever so that but after watching it was like and this was the this was a this was a much um i don't know pg cut of the original uh you know the first one like you know so so Uh definitely we had to like tone it down you know what i mean but you want people to feel the impact of what's going on because so many people's stories not being told and so mm-hmm. many people are are, are, are are wrapped up in the bondage you know of, of what these type of experiences do to them you know mm-hmm. um and, and even sometimes I mean we didn't go from this perspective but even to you know not only the victims but the victimizers usually are victims also um you know mm-hmm. and and so what that does to an individual, what it does to them, and so it's sort of like the mental health, it's sort of like we we really wanted to be able to show that and be impactful. Now the song specifically isn't about that, but it's about hold on, whatever the struggle is, and right. we're gonna right. make it out of this, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna overcome these things. There's so many people, unfortunately. It's just too many people. But this is what I was going back to, talking about being real, you know. And, and that, that, that video, that song has helped a lot of people, you know, um, I don't, I don't get the calls as much as a do after that, but, you know, yeah, definitely yeah. the amount of impact that it has on people is because you listen, you're saying our story. This is, this is, this is how we feel. This is what we've gone through. It's so, real. um, it's real, it's real. All right.
0: Yeah we we did a gig with um a local um a personality here Ohio State football coach Ryan Day who star- mm-hmm. who did, who did something tremendous uh his, unfortunately his father committed suicide and he mm-hmm. had this big chip on his shoulder growing up and and trying to like you know fill that void and he you know he'll be all tough and everything and then uh, he beca- he got into the pro football then he went to college football as a coach and then he started seeing what's going on on college campus and high schools and and all the suicides and and he's like you know what enough Um, it's I got I got I got to tell my story, and then he and his wife founded the first behavioral health hospital for adolescents. So people learning to turn it for the good, um, and helping others, you know, with their pain is is definitely um, it it, it's it's sort of being like termed as like the flavor of the month. You know, everyone come out and say their story, but you know if it's done. You know, I, I don't want to. Like, maybe I'll be tired. I don't know what the right you know form is, but if it's done with seichel, common sense, if it's done well and constructive, it can help a lot of people. So I, thank you for your role in all that.
1: I think I think that you know it's important for each person to figure out how to bring out this type of authenticity without, like, I think over overly being shocking. But each person has to look at it like you know. That we all have a mission to bring our thing. You know what I mean? And and my thing, especially on this this song, was sort of like, oh, what are people gonna think? When I like, throw it out. Gotta be real. Gotta be real. And if you think, I, I told somebody this the other day. This even goes for the last thing we were talking about with the music, also. Like if you can if if Avamavino was going around his neighborhood telling everybody that, you know, you know, Hashim told me that, like, slaughter my son, you know what I mean, like, it was out there, and I mean, I mean people would be like, this guy's crazy, there's no way in the world Shim told him to do this, it's like, I don't know, you, Hashem, are you, what are you talking about, like, can you imagine him going around telling everybody, like, this is, yeah, this is my thing, you know what I mean, so he probably wouldn't do it that way, but but the whole the whole thing in itself just sounds and looks crazy, but that was for him, that was what Shim told him to do, so he went in, in that path, and eventually Shim worked everything out, but like, we have to realize that 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 a person to some degree has to be Yahid. If you don't get to a place like Avraham Avinu did, where it's you on one side and the rest of the world on the other side, then you're not really serving Hashem. And this is, this is, a, this is, Mama's from the, from, from from any of the tzaddikim at any point had to feel like the yachid, even even right. Rashbi is saying if, if not me, then it's, if it's not me and my son, then it's just I'm the only tzaddik. like you know it doesn't matter what it is. At some point person goes up. I think the Ram talks about more person ascends, then you have to at some point he starts to people start to drop off. There's less and less people, you know what I mean, as a person starts to starts to ascend. So this is true for Bodhisattva, but it's true for every single person's mission in the world that at some point you have to stand out and be authentic and put the truth out there and be be you are obviously with some good time Um, but but i think it's very very important for for that truth to be out because
0: it's the only way that the world gets illuminated wow No, that's such a great way to sum this all up it's it's let's let's put hashem back in the picture
1: (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) this was a lot of fun
0: nissam thank you for joining us um, thank you. It was great seeing you here in Columbus and great to follow up like that. You, you've definitely got a lot of talent and a lot of inspiration. And, thank um, you, so you know what I mean? It's, it's great to have you and, um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your story and you so much, much well. continued success with everything. Oh man. Thank you. To listen to all Colos episodes and see upcoming guests, visit colopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Kolot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. Kolot is a project of the Columbus Community Kolot, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men, and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvot at the Kolot. Whether it's a study partner, an engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L.org and forever be inspired.